every youngster here on the Michigan team has dreamt of the day that he someday would play on a championship team and come to the Rose Bowl and play in the granddaddy of them all. Hello all, welcome back to Divine Intervention on Wolverine Sounds. I'm your host, Derek Divine, and today I have a very special guest joining me on the show for the first time, one of the greatest guys I met back in my college days a whopping handful of years ago. Justin Masson. Justin, dude, how are you? I'm doing well, man. I'm excited to talk some Michigan football. Hey, man, I'm excited to have you on the show. Uh, Justin's been contributing, I should say, to the score predictions. Do you feel like you've been doing a a good job so far? You know, it's funny. When when we first started doing this in the beginning of the season, I was predicting a lot of blowouts, uh, a lot of impressive wins. Those didn't come. Uh, But in the past recent weeks, I feel like I've been doing, you know, pretty – pretty good job for the most part so this is my tough thing with score predictions is at the beginning of the year i'm pretty realistic and i say hey this is a eight or nine win season probably and then when i go into every week and predict scores i've predicted michigan to win every game so i can't even have a legitimate shot at saying hey i was i was consistent because somehow my fandom takes over and i say you know what michigan's gonna beat penn state on the road they got it right and it just doesn't happen. So I'm going to try to be as realistic as I can this weekend, just because I know that we don't know the situation with, with Brandon Peters or, or the quarterback in general, but score predictions are fun. I'm just hoping to be to spot on one of the times, but I'll probably predict a loss this week. So if I'm going to be wrong, I'm hoping it's this week. Yeah, you know, I feel like that's a, the commonplace thing when I'm filling out my bracket every March is, you know, I want to write Michigan all the way as I see you know, some fans of some other fan bases do. Um, but for the most part, you know, I get realistic and I say, you know, a number seven or eight Michigan's not going to beat a number one Kansas um, in some place like Topeka or, you know. <clears throat> so eventually you've just got to hope that, you know, Michigan gets the job done. But, you know, I'd rather my bracket be busted than Michigan be out of the tournament. So, but let's get back to football. Yeah, absolutely. So you can follow both of us, me at Divine Identity. Please follow Justin at jmadson 7 uh, You can look at our takes throughout the week, whether they're about Michigan football or not. And if you go to his profile, you'll know you'll be in the right place when you see his beautiful face on Tom Brady's number 12 body, which, by the way, Justin, is probably top avatar in Michigan football right now that, I, that I've seen. I appreciate that. I mean, it's by no means a professional Photoshop um, job, but... You know, by all means, people love it. I love it. And that's all that matters. Awesome. So let's get right into it. We want to talk about uh, hate week, Michigan, Ohio State, the game, obviously uh, the biggest uh, time of the year in terms of Michigan football. It's always right at the end of the season, something that everybody circles on their calendar year to year, no matter how the series has been as of recent. So to start, how are you feeling about this Saturday's matchup? Derek, I would be surprised if Michigan uh, beats Ohio State and puts up more points on the scoreboard on Saturday, but I'm hoping for it. I think that they have the tools on defense to stop the heavy rushing attack of Ohio State, but ultimately I do feel this team is a little bit too inexperienced to defeat a team like Ohio State or you know, an Alabama team. Yeah, so one of the things that I've been saying all season is I feel like at some point Michigan's just got to play better football. Like they're going, it's going to click. They're going to figure it out. But the problem is, is I feel like at times the season, obviously in the quarterback situation specifically, 
Michigan can't seem to catch a break. You have Wilton Spate go down, who balled out for a majority of last year. John O'Corn comes in and looks good against Purdue on the road, and then really just he cannot take advantage of any opportunities offensively. People are calling for Brandon Peters, and you get a game against Wisconsin where it felt like Michigan was in a position to win, was unable to do so, and Brandon Peters goes down and now might not be available. So it's hard for a team to play their best football and peak at the right time when there's so many situational things like injuries. And I know these happen all over the place, so it's always easy to make excuses when it comes to injuries. But I would have thought maybe two weeks ago that beating Wisconsin was possible. And if Michigan beat Wisconsin, it puts them in a good position to take down Ohio State. But with all of the unknowns, it's concerning. And I feel like just like many fans and maybe some of even the players did when Peters went down, kind of lost the energy and the positive vibes that I was feeling. So, and, and sadly that kind of just goes well with how it's been really the last decade or more. I know before the show, you had mentioned that since 2000, I think it is Michigan has won three times against Ohio state. So these feelings we have in this lack of confidence, wouldn't you agree that this really isn't new as we, as we look at this game uh, going into the weekend? Yeah, Derek, you know, I'm 24 years old, and Michigan's only won eight times since I've been born. Uh, most recently, 2011, where Michigan took down a, an Ohio State team that, you know, I think they had six wins. Interim head coach Luke Fickle. Um, the program was fresh off the tattoo scandal. So, um, I, you know, I was wondering, do you think that you could name off the last three quarterbacks to beat Ohio State? Shoot. You know what? I was thinking the best thing you could do new on a podcast is totally trump me and you've I mean you've already done so. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say uh Denard Robinson is one, obviously, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh the next win would have been if you could give me the years that would be helpful. I'll I give guess. you two thousand three and two thousand. 2003, John Navarre. Right. And 2000, oh, see, this show, This is now we're showing our youth. This is when fans start tuning in saying, these guys must be 12. I, I, can't, I can't think of who the starter would have been in 2000. Uh, it was Drew Henson. Drew Henson. Okay. So, okay, so here's the problem. That's the problem. I, it's such a unique thing in our notable era where we can comprehend things we see on an everyday basis that – it's hard to think about the quarterbacks unless I had the years and I still only was two for three. And I mean, that just shows how awful it's been as a fan, I guess, when it comes to the end of November, when Michigan has what we consider the greatest rivalry of all time against Ohio state. And even though in in the history of the series, Michigan's won more games, eight out of your 24 years, which would be eight out of my 25 years, uh, that's not many at all. It's almost like it makes sense when people bring up around the Michigan State time of year of what's the bigger rivalry? Is it Michigan-Michigan State? Is it Michigan-Ohio State? And I think a lot of people view that simply for the fact that Michigan-Ohio State has not been competitive. And as a fan and as a player or coach, no matter who it is in that organization, that is obviously super, super frustrating. I agree. Um, unfortunately, it's a what have you done for me lately kind of thing for a lot of fans. And I've heard a lot of, you know, why are we paying Jim Harbaugh this much money? I've heard Brandon Peters shouldn't be on the field. I've heard when is Dylan McCaffrey going to see the field? If you take away that win in 2011 from Ohio State, 
Michigan hasn't beaten a legitimate Ohio State team since 2003. And, you know, we just said John DeVar was the quarterback. You know, there have been some good quarterbacks that have come through that time. Chad Henney, four-year starter, never beat Ohio State. Uh, so, you know, you never know what you're going to get in this game. You know, that 2013 game I keep thinking about where an unranked Michigan comes in to play a, a heavy favorite Ohio State just like this year. Um, and, you know, they go down to the wire, go for two at the end, you know, a call that I think most Michigan fans wanted. And unfortunately, that play didn't turn out as we would have hoped. But, you know, that's what this rivalry is all about. On any given Saturday, when these two teams line up, doesn't matter who's ranked what. I feel like, you know, any it's anyone's ball game. I want to say that game, that game, 2006, I do remember 2006 really well, number one versus number two. And then obviously last year's game, which still hurts so bad, it's even hard to refer to it. Michigan's had opportunities. Those are three games. And, and I've been saying since Jim Harbaugh's tenure that Michigan's plays away from winning big games with Jim Harbaugh as the head coach. Michigan's plays away from from winning big games uh, against the Buckeyes. In 2006, it seemed like they were going to be able to hold Ohio State to a field goal, a long field goal or a punt. Uh, Troy Smith runs out of bounds and uh, gets hit late. A 15-yard penalty, Buckeyes score. Even though Michigan scores, they can't recover the onside kick. Like you said, we all wanted in 2013 uh, Michigan to go for two because it wasn't a game that Michigan should have even had a chance in. Uh, Two-point conversion fails. Last year, it seemed like JT Barrett was short because he was. Uh, refs say he got the first down. Uh, they score in, in double overtime to win the game. So it's just a matter of plays. But when you look at the, the what have you done for me lately, it looks really bad because it's all just an L on the schedule. It's just straight L's except for that one kind of outlier year. And at some point, I feel like it's got to change. So if we want to talk about that change, I mean, what would it mean – not only for you personally, but just for Michigan fans and the program in general to get a win this year in one of the crazier years of college football. It means a lot. I mean, we've talked about it a few times already, but they've won three of the last 17 games. And it's hard to think about, you know, those three wins really stand out. And, you know, Denard ran all over a, a bum Ohio State team. And, you know, I want us to remember this game as – you know, something that we did great. I feel like we just talked about these games where we couldn't finish. You know, unfortunately, Sean Crable hits Troy Smith out of bounds, and there's a flag. Controversial. I watched the replay today before we started recording, and I still don't think that it's a late hit out of bounds, and I don't think it's a roughing the passer call. Um, but regardless, there's nothing we can do to change that. I think JT Barrett was short because he was. Um, so I, I don't want – this game to be another one where we think about, yeah, you know, when it came down to it, this one play really stuck out and it, you know, it's the Sean Crable game. It's the JT was short game. Uh, you know, where is the Karan Higdon game where he rushes for three touchdowns against Ohio state and really, you know, crushes their playoff hopes. You know, that's the kind of thing. That's the kind of narrative that I want to see come after Saturday's game. But yeah, I mean, it definitely does depend on a number of things. And that's what I'm looking for. You hit it, the nail right in the head when you're saying, where is the narrative where something that Michigan did is is so impressive that it's looked back on, not as Michigan could have done this to win, but Michigan executed this so well that an Ohio State team that probably could have made the playoff with two losses 
uh, was eliminated from the chance of doing so because Karan Higdon went off or Brandon Peters say he is healthy. Brandon Peters really came into his own and and maybe even next year, mid-year, he's, he's in the Heisman talks because he's really proven himself as a, a pro-style quarterback. You're absolutely right. If you look back, really just in Michigan football in the last decade, obviously everything you can think about off the top of your head is probably going to be Denard Robinson. Denard Robinson was a guy no matter what the, the spotlight looked like. And yes, he had a lot of bad games, but when you look under the lights the first time Michigan-Notre Dame, Denard Robinson went off. I think he had a 500 total yards that game. That is something that you look back on as one of your favorite memories as a Michigan fan, not only because Michigan wins under the lights for the first time and beats a rival in Notre Dame, but Denard Robinson had a performance that will be remembered by many outside of us Michigan fans. And so what is the when is the narrative ever going to be Michigan took down an Ohio State team that they were an underdog to because of these elements of the game? And, and that's what fans look for under Jim Harbaugh. And I think that's why we all crave these big victories, because really he's he's fallen short of a lot of opportunities. And it's always been by a couple of plays. So I guess assuming uh, things look good for, for Michigan this weekend in terms of Brandon Peters is healthy or even if not. What do you think the key is for Michigan to have kind of that narrative-ridden game of they played so well that Ohio State simply just couldn't beat them this weekend? Well, I look back on Ohio State's two losses this year to Oklahoma and Iowa, and the biggest thing that stands out to me is both of those teams were able to take the ball away from the Ohio State offense, take the ball out of their hands. Uh, Iowa obviously got a couple of picks off of JT. Uh, Oklahoma was lucky enough to get their hands on an INT. But ultimately – you know, this Michigan defense is great. I would say they're elite. Um, but in the, if there's one spot they're lacking in, it's taking the ball away. They do a great job of getting teams off the field on third down. They do a great job of stuffing the run. Um, guys like Kalik Hudson, Chase Winovich, you know, really get after you. But ultimately, uh, if you want to take down an elite team like Ohio State or um, Alabama, Clemson, you've got to take the ball out of their hands when they've got it on offense. And that's, you know, the biggest key to victory for me. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And when you take the ball away, you might not be able to run a pick six back or a fumble scoop and score, or, or maybe a special teams touchdown. But when you get that turnover, one of the things that you have to do is you have to score. You at least have to put three points on the board. And there are so many times that I can think of in recent history where even if Michigan's gotten a turnover, especially with the offensive struggles this year, they're not able to to get points off of turnovers. That's a stat that's remarkably huge in basketball come tournament time. We talked about tournament and bracket busters. Points off turnovers are huge in any type of game. And so if, if uh, Levert Hill, now healthy and not going through a concussion protocol, can get an interception, make JT Barrett make a mistake, the offense has to capitalize on that. If the offense can't capitalize in a big moment, especially at home, they stand no chance. And and so that's what I look for is capitalizing on the opportunities, which would be my key to the game. If, if you can't take advantage of the opportunities presented, whether it's uh, scoring your first possession, uh, say you get the ball after half, scoring right away, you've got to make it a ball game from the moment you step on the field and you've got to be there when when the game is is ending or you're never going to have an opportunity. There's been plenty of times, like we said, in the last decade where Michigan's had that opportunity to make that winning play. And if Michigan can play well enough to be in that position this weekend, which could be a stretch, uh, I do think that at some point 
Harbaugh's got to show that he can not only outcoach his opponent uh, and the coach on that side of the ball, but his players have to out-execute. And that's where a Brandon Peters touchdown or Kron Higdon busting out like Beanie Wells used to do in 2006 against Michigan for a 56-yard run. Those are the types of key plays that have to happen. I think it's possible. I'll feel a lot better when and if we know Brandon Peters will be the quarterback. Uh, and, and obviously, if he's not, then then I think everyone's a little bit more concerned. But I'm looking for key moments. I think you're looking for key moments, too. And, I mean, it's got to happen at some point. I don't really think we're going to spend the rest of our lives watching Ohio State beat up on Michigan, do you? I don't think so. To be honest with you, you know, I'm very patient with, with Coach Harbaugh and his staff. You know, I, will, I know a lot of the fan base is not. Um, everyone's entitled to their wrong opinion, but I ultimately feel like this is the future of the Big Ten. Um, Jim Harbaugh is still in his third season. There's still a chance to get 10 wins, which would be three in a row. Um, I think that, you know, I look back on the, the year Michigan finished five and seven. I was at, I want to say, all of the home games except maybe one. And, you know, I was at the embarrassing game where all the fans left at the, uh, it was the Brown Jug game where they all left at the end of the, third quarter or, you know, after Shane Morris gets put back out on the field after taking such a huge hit. Um, I was at the games where students didn't show up until, you know, end of the first quarter if they showed up. And, you know, it's a different narrative if you show up to the stadium now. The guys are in there early. The stadium is rocking. Ann Arbaugh, goodness gracious, Ann Arbor loves Harbaugh. Uh, It's his city. Um, I just think that ultimately, like I said, it's the future of the Big Ten. He's already proven to bring in some big-name recruits. Um, Rashawn Gary, bring the Jordan brand to Michigan, something that UNC didn't even have. Um, you know, his numbers with Attack Each Day, his podcast. Um, ultimately, he's such an original coach. I don't think anybody really does it like him. The players seem to really gravitate toward him. If you've got the players behind you, and you've got a strong supporting cast like that. I really feel like, you know, ultimately we're going to be pushing this team forward and be looking at, you know, teams with double-digit wins for the next, you know, three or four years. Or I don't know if – let me start that over. <laughs> yeah, I really feel like the future is bright in Ann Arbor. If you've got the guys behind you in the locker room and you've got uh, the coaching staff that he continues to bring in with impressive resumes – um, I feel like this team is going to have double-digit wins for the foreseeable future. I don't know what Harbaugh's NFL plans are, if he ever plans to return to the NFL. But ultimately, in the here and now, this Michigan team is growing. There are going to be growing pains. But like I said, I think this Michigan team is the future of the Big Ten. Yeah, and, and I agree. I have totally bought into Harbaugh, and I'll be as patient as I have to be. I think at some point, uh, say five, six years and things are, are still the same. We still unable to win the big games and maybe I start getting burnt out on the idea. But like you said, for the foreseeable future, I am bought in. I think that this Michigan program is still in a really good spot, even though they've dropped three games uh, in 2017. Almost the entirety of their core comes back next year and you can even look seasons beyond that knowing that you're going to bring in guys. So you've just got to hope, I was saying this last week, you've got to hope that it started with Wisconsin it didn't. It'd be maybe not a miracle, but it would be very impressive if Michigan found a way to to beat an Ohio State team that they've struggled with for so many years in a row now. And if they do, it gives you the confidence you need going into bowl season. It gives you a ton of confidence going into next year, 
finally gives Jim Harbaugh a one-up, at least for 365 days over in Urban Meyer, and the nation will definitely take note of that. So you've got to hope it comes together this weekend. Hopefully when we're talking next, uh, we can talk about uh, a miraculous uh, miraculous Michigan win. But if not, you know what? We're going to find positive things to talk about because Jim Harbaugh and this Michigan Wolverine team, like you mentioned, is, is the future of the Big Ten in my opinion. So that's all we have for Divine Intervention today. Thank you, Justin, for joining me once again. Follow him at jmatson7. Follow me at Divine Identity. As always, check out Wolverine Sounds on iTunes. You can search and subscribe us. Follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook. That's all we have for this time. Go Blue. Go Blue.